0: Should we just try this and see what happens? Okay. <clears throat> Wait. What am I? I'm hearing something. What is that? Does that echo? Do you hear that? No. No. Okay. No,
1: I don't hear that. Yeah.
0: I just heard myself feeding back, but I'm not sure why. Have you okay. Have
1: you been recording this part where we're talking about if we're hearing each other?
0: I just started recording it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Because it could. We could just do like a radio lab episode.
0: That sounds awesome. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> so. Uh, the, if, it, if we sound different right now, it's because I am actually on vacation in Montreal and Mike is in a hotel room in Houston.
0: I am not on vacation, but I'm working.
1: If Mike's actually doing the job that I should be doing, but I'm on vacation. He's doing but I'm, two jobs.
0: Right, yeah, and you're actually you're not on vacation because you're working. Well, so I'm ruining your vacation.
1: The, this part of my vacation does feel pretty ruined right now. But I, but I will say that uh, I, I've been here a few days and it's been pretty great but I I want to tell you about something because it, it is a how-to that I feel like could uh, this is it, it might seem like I'm exaggerating but it could change the world. okay so we uh, we ordered a pizza here and uh, as when it came I opened the box and I immediately thought that Canadian pizza or at least... Montreal pizza was different than all pizza everywhere, because it appeared they had baked a dinner roll into the center of the pizza.
0: What? I don't even. What does that look like? So there's like a roll. There's a
1: roll, like where, where all the points of the slices of pizza meet.
0: So what was going on?
1: This is like you get a pizza from Domino's or Pizza Hut. There's a little plastic piece. That goes right there, mm-hmm. that keeps the pizza from getting crushed during delivery.
0: Like a little tiny table.
1: Yeah. They're doing it with a roll. So oh, so think about yeah. all the plastic that we throw away. That's a, it's an otherwise useless device. It, yeah. it could be used as a table, maybe in a dollhouse, but that's mm-hmm. a small sample. Imagine if that was always edible. If Domino's or Pizza Hut or whoever had a breadstick there, instead of the plastic... How how much less plastic we'd have in our landfills, pizza wise.
0: Wait, so how did it taste though?
1: It t- it tasted like bread, like a roll.
0: What what else did you have on the pizza?
1: Uh, t- some vegetables.
0: Do you if you wanted to order Canadian bacon mm-hmm. when you're in Montreal to put on your pizza, do you just call it bacon? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously? I don't know. Okay, so Ian is on vacation. I'm. Uh, out of the office in houston but we do want to get you guys some sort of show
1: this is a collection of some older segments that if you're new to the podcast which most of you are um you haven't heard and um hopefully that you'll find them life-changing
0: if nothing else you'll get to hear us when we sounded so much younger
1: this is before our voices changed
0: support for how to do everything comes from rdo digital music service announcing RDO Select, a new subscription plan for mobile users combining ad-free, online stations and offline listening.
1: With RDO Select, hear endless stations powered by over 35 million songs and download your choice of 25 songs to listen to offline, on mobile or other devices.
0: Learn more about RDO Select at rdio.com slash select.
1: We have another sponsor, the we're going to record a credit for in two different countries.
0: I guess that's true. This is our first international podcast.
1: We should make sure that they give us American dollars rather than Canadian dollars.
0: How much are Canadian dollars worth?
1: Uh, it's actually pretty interesting. Um, do you know what a uh, Canadian one, $1 coin is called?
0: It's called a loonie, right?
1: It is called a loonie because it has a picture of a loon on it. Do you know what a Canadian $2 coin is called? No. A A toonie. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it's
0: $2. What's a $3 coin called?
1: It's no, that, that's not a denomination that any, con- any country has.
0: Support also comes from big-ass fans. Makers of the world's first smart ceiling fan, Haiku, with SenseMe.
1: SenseMe technology automatically adjusts the fan's speed as your room changes temperature to save up to 30% on air conditioning costs.
0: Haiku holds the top 14 Energy Star rankings, and each fan is tested in a state-of-the-art sound chamber to ensure silent operation.
1: Learn more at bigassfans.com slash NPR.
0: Okay, so now we're going to turn over the show to our younger selves.
1: Yep, yeah, so we... Uh, we- we hope you like this. We got an email from Will in Wyoming. His question, how do I act around a celebrity?
0: Right, and Kevin Bacon is a celebrity. He sure is. Kevin, do you have any tips for Will? Well, my,
2: my brother, who uh, has obviously spent a lot of time around celebrities, namely me,
3: yeah. right.
4: <laughs> uh,
2: he has um, come up with a
4: 40-point rule, and that is that Everyone's IQ drops 40 points around celebrities. Oh, okay. So you have to know that you're, you're, you're probably going to say something stupid.
0: Okay. Uh-huh.
4: But don't uh, worry about it. Like, that, that's okay. All right. I would say number two would be try not to mention work that they've done that's 30 years old.
0: So I wouldn't want to say, like, the first cassette that I ever owned... Was the soundtrack to Footloose? If I was to that mention.
4: would be that would that would be one that you, you, you might want to skip.
0: Yeah. Wow, but it's true. So let's say you see a celebrity, yeah.
1: and yeah. Uh, you 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 recognize them from something you know twenty years ago. You don't you're not familiar with with what they're doing lately, but you right. wanna you wanna make a generic statement that's not going to sound too stupid that you're gonna right. be happy about your interaction. What's a good thing to say?
5: <laughs> I love what you've been doing lately. <laughs> Perfect.
0: We got a question from Rich. He wanted to know how to run for office.
2: I'm calling from Jupiter, Florida. All right. Oh. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're, you're trying to get into Florida politics? <laughs>
2: yeah, I usually have to be a crook to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best.
0: First question Do you have any experience with running a political campaign?
2: I personally do not have any experience running a political campaign.
0: So then the second question would be, why? Why, Rich? Why, really, why would you why do on, this? Why on earth?
2: Well, I, um, I'm a little frustrated with the way things are going, and I think, uh, by God's grace, I could do a better job.
0: Well, uh, Rich, we've brought in somebody who, who knows a little bit about this. It's Mark McKinnon. He was a political strategist with both uh, George Bush and John McCain in 2008. Mark, are you there?
4: I'm here. Hi, Rich. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you so much for speaking with me.
0: Hey, delighted. Well, Mark, what what would you say would be step
1: one for Rich?
4: Well, the, the, the first step is really to make sure that you have a clear rationale for running. Uh, and what I mean by rationale is just to answer the real fundamental question, why, and to be able to do that clearly and concisely. Uh, because if you don't have that clear rationale, then uh, you, you're never really going to get much traction. That's that's why Ted Kennedy never became president. He was, he was going to be president. He was going to run for president. Gone on sixty minutes and answered a bunch of questions about uh, a number of issues that he faced and challenges. But uh, at the end of the interview, they asked him, "So why do you want to be president?" And he couldn't answer that fundamental question, and his campaign melted down from there. So that's order number one.
0: Mark, let's ask Rich then if okay. he can answer that question. Go. You want to pose as the interviewer and Rich get ready and, and here we go. I'm excited.
4: Okay, okay, Rich. Uh, understand that you're contemplating running for public office, and uh, the fundamental question is,
1: why
2: you, why now? The main reason that I personally have chose to run for office, I'd probably have to say, is my 17-month-old daughter. I want to create a better world for her.
1: So uh, a poll of potential voters uh, 20 years ago picks Rich over Ted Kennedy, is what just
0: happened. Okay. <laughs> That's right.
4: That's you right. you got advantage. a better rationale. Absolutely. Good to know.
0: Okay. So once you've answered that question, then, Mark, what's next? Well...
4: Uh, there's the other fundamental issue, which is what are you going to? What are you running for? Would you look at running for maybe state senator, or state legislature?
2: I okay. love my state of Florida, and I I, I think that I could uh, really have an influence locally, starting off, and I I think
1: that's a, a good way to start.
4: It is a good way to start, and as the great Lee Atwater, a great. Political consultant in his day said, "Do the doable." It,
1: it seems to me that once you've sort of declared your your message and and kind of picked an office you want to target, you become a lot more public at that point. Um, and I wonder if there comes a time when Rich is going to have to think about um, you know mistakes he's made in the past and how to <laughs> how to handle those.
4: Oh yeah, well that's that's always a, uh, you know the, one of the first things we do when we sit down with a candidate who's running for office is you know, you've got to understand that if you're running for public office today, that your entire life will be laid out before the public and you just have to be prepared for that.
1: So, Mark, literally, you you would say sit down across from John McCain and say, tell
0: me every bad thing you've ever done.
4: Yeah, exactly.
0: Fun. And were you were you ever caught off guard? Did something then come out later with one of the candidates you were working with? unfortunately yes you know
4: you know what i i did all the campaigns for charlie wilson and uh you know the guy they made the movie about yeah. uh the afghanistan and he and he was such a character and he had all always had these enormous problems with drinking and drugs and women and uh every cycle it was just such a big in fact the last campaign we did we he sat us down and and once again, all these rumors about his personal behavior, and he had a, bit, a very tough challenger, and he sat us all down for the first day of the campaign and said, I just want to tell you one thing, boys, he says, I know you're worried about everything, but i just I met, I met me a good young Baptist girl at the church, she sings in the choir, she doesn't smoke, she doesn't drink, she's had a real good influence on me, and we're going to get married. Uh, just as soon as she graduates from high school. <laughs> and that that was one of those things where, you know, with Charlie, you just said, you know, Charlie's Charlie, and he's just going to be what he's going to be. And we just went out and we said, you know what? Uh, Charlie may be the life of the party when it comes to uh, getting your Social Security on checks on time. Charlie delivers. And
0: mm-hmm. so just focus on what you do and do it well. Did they Did they get married?
4: No, but he got reelected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Mark, how important is it to have a really catchy slogan? Well... It's it's helpful,
4: but it's more important to have uh, a message that is is uh, as we said authentic. Uh, but it's very hard in in today's information age to break through the clutter. So, right. you know, if it's uh, what's what's your last name, Rich?
2: Goss. Goss. Yes, G A U S.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I think right away, I think Gossam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah. There you go. Well, I think this is Rich. What do you feel? Do you feel like you've got some information now? You can go out and try this.
2: Oh, I'm ready. I, I would actually like to announce my 2020 campaign, if if that's okay on NPR. Yeah, yeah go for <laughs> it. That's good. How about, uh Goss Haga
0: 2020. Okay. Hey, all right. Hey, Blythe. Finally, get Blythe out there. Put her to work wow. for the American people. It's amazing. Uh, listen,
4: I think Rich has got the fundamental tools. I think we're we're gonna we, let's put him on the radar and keep an eye on this guy.
1: He's, He's like a young Charlie Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Let's do a little. Campaign ad for Rich. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Blythe, can can you hit some patriotic music for us?
2: The main reason that I personally have chose to run for office, I'd probably have to say, is my 17-month-old daughter.
0: You can be Rich Goss's 17-month-old daughter, America. Here's what top-notch political advisor Mark McKinnon says about
1: Rich Goss.
4: Rich. Very, very strong. And here's
0: what Barack Obama said about something.
5: We also will not let up in our effort to tackle the pressing, ongoing challenges facing our country. Rich Goss.
0: Gossam. Maybe this music reminds you of
5: meat.
2: My name is Rich Goss, and I sort of approve the message.
1: Okay, so we talked to you, uh, uh, I guess, several months ago. We got some advice from from Mr. McKinnon. Mm -hmm. Um, Has your political career... Uh, progressed at all?
6: Well, I have looked into city commission, and the the city commissioners are actually have actually been in elected office. Um, most, I think, there's six seats, and four of them have been in there for over 20 years, um, and then the others have been in there for you know 15 to 18 years. Okay. Uh, so there's actually an initiative right now um, that I I recently signed a petition for to have two three-year three-year term limits put in place and that's a, a good thing for me yeah so we can get some new blood in there hopefully
1: and that new blood being that be, being your blood
6: uh, that's what we're hoping for
1: all uh, right and I know we uh, one thing we talked about was your slogan which was going to be gossam
6: and I'm sticking to it
1: yeah you think that's gonna
6: <laughs> I think it's something that's really going to uh, you know grasp the community have some power behind it, yep. you know, and I can uh, just throw out there that that um, Blythe was going to be my vice president, and, mm-hmm. and I think that'll that'll be good.
1: Is there such thing as a vice city commissioner?
6: When I become city commissioner, <laughs> there will be.
1: As your first act? Yes. Well, best of luck, and keep us posted on your political career.
6: Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ian.
1: Hey, thank you. You're just one man. You can't eat a dozen bagels before the last one goes stale. I certainly couldn't. Now, nope. here with a tip on refreshing a stale bagel is Dan Pashman of the Sporkful Podcast. Dan, what do we do?
3: All right, guys. Well, first off, you can take a bagel that's very stale. Let's ma- make sure. Are these bagels really stale? I mean, is there, are these bagels worthy of this tip?
0: I have a. I have one in my hand right now. I'm just going to. Here, let's bang them. I have one, too. It's also very hard. If we bang them together, yeah. you'll. Yeah. That's the bagel. That's the bagel.
3: That sounds stale. Yeah. That sounds stale. Very stale. Uh, So what you're going to want to do, first off, preheat your oven to 350 degrees.
1: Okay. Okay.
3: Once it's nice and warm, you're going to want to turn on your hot water spigot on your kitchen sink. Okay. Let the water run. Let it get nice and hot, really hot. Hot. As hot as 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 it can get. Okay. Then you're going to want to take the bagel, the whole bagel, and run it under the hot water.
1: Okay. Do you, should I should you, do? I want to slice the bagel here. Or? No,
3: no, okay. no, no. The external shell of the bagel must remain intact and unpunctured.
0: So okay. keep the keep the seal that smooth, shiny skin on the bagel. That's exactly right. Gotcha.
3: And you want to run that bagel under the hot water. Move it around. Keep it running under the hot water for about thirty seconds.
1: Okay. Here we go. That seems like a long time.
3: It really does take thirty seconds. All right? Don't be shy. I know this. It feels ridiculous running a bagel under hot water, yeah. but just. Just go
1: with it. All right. Okay. Alright, we we have a soaked bagel here. Now what?
3: Put it in the oven. Okay. It's you wanna put it in there for five minutes, a three fifty. Right.
1: Okay. This we're definitely gonna gonna speed up. Unless you have is there anything you wanna
0: talk about for five minutes?
3: <sighs> um, I mean that's a lot of time to fill.
0: It is. Can I just say that in every recipe that I ever make, I have to preheat my oven to 350, 375. Wouldn't it be nice if every oven was just automatically at 375, 350? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Thanks.
1: It's not a five-minute filling kind of point. <laughs> if, we sl- if I talk slower or we
0: stretch the tape,
1: yeah, it right.
0: could fill it up. Hey, look at that. It's done.
3: What you're essentially doing here is recooking the bagel because when you cook a bagel it gets cooked part in water and part in an oven and you are almost replicating the cooking process you are rebirthing the bagel
0: it's born again yeah
3: that's right hallelujah
0: hey Dan
1: you yeah. have uh, you have changed our bagel lives thank you
3: my pleasure thanks guys we
1: got an email from Michael who said he has a, a Pretty good voice. Wants to get into voiceover work.
0: So we called up Andrew Rannells. He stars as Elder Price in The Book of Mormon, which is now on Broadway. And and like all uh, stars of, of The Great White Way, he got to start doing
1: voices for Pokemon.
7: So, Andrew, how did you get into
0: voiceover work?
7: When I started with all the the animation stuff, they were still hiring adults to be kids. Now they just, you know, it's so easy to hire kids and do a million takes and then edit it down. Um, But when I started, it was was faster just to have adults who could sound like kids. But we all kind of ended up sounding like kids who smoked. Um, It was like me and a bunch of like, you know women in their late 40s who had these really scratchy voices, and we were like, these little kids, these, like, scrappy kids. Um, So all of Pokemon was like a bunch of, you know, adults trying to sound like this, and I'm a little boy. Wow. No one sounds like a little... That doesn't sound like a real child. Yeah. It sounds like fun work. It was totally fun. It was fun... um, I mean, all of the the Pokemon stuff was to to picture, so we were... um, It's obviously not written for English. It was written for Japanese, so... You'd have writers who would kind of try to like match the flap, they call it. Hmm. Um, and then we would try to like line it up. But oftentimes you were uh, having to like stretch syllables and, and words to like match flaps. So instead of just being like, um, where are you going today? You'd have to be like, where are you going today? Um, to make it fit the weird <laughs> Japanese mouth flap.
0: And it's called yeah. matching the flap. Yeah. Matching
7: the flap. The flap of the lips, yeah. I guess. Yeah. The flap yeah. of the lip, yeah.
0: So, um, Andrew. Yeah. If we wanted to give Michael some tips on how to
7: break into the voiceover business, yeah. could you give him kind of three steps to take? Um, sure. Uh uh persistence. I mean obviously I did like one thing really well. There are a lot of guys who did who can do a lot of things and I, I have I've worked with folks who do like all sorts of voices and impressions and and that was never really my bag. I just happened to have a voice that was kind of marketable for a time. Um so it's, it's just about like finding what you do well and then showing up for those, those gigs that you know you're right for and, and just kind of nailing it every time. And it doesn't mean you're going to book it every time, but as long as you go in and like sort of nail what that's supposed to be, you're making a good impression. So find folks. a good voice. Find a good voice. Find whatever your mm-hmm. voice is mm-hmm. um, and then be consistent with it.
1: Well, how do, how do you find that voice? I mean, did you, did you think maybe that you had other voices in you and are there other voices that you've kind of tried out? And,
7: um... I mean, you know, it, 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 for kids, when I was working there, like, they, you would find yourself on the spot having to, to fix a lot of things or like, who can do a Paul Lind impression? And you would just sort of, you would be like, you know, looking up stuff on YouTube and then who can do that? And you'd be, you know, forcing yourself to try to do. Did you, did you have things. a Paul Lind? I did not have a Paul Lind. Who did I, who could I do? Uh, I weirdly, like, when really pressed, I did, I could do, like, a, a weird Ed Wynn type of idea that we uh, used on a couple shows. How'd that, um, how's that go? Um. Well, he he thought of had this crazy lisp, and he would do the thing. <laughs> so we used it a few times in shows. We're like, that's a good toss-off voice. There's this documentary. I'm going to go off track just for a split yeah. second here about primordial dwarves. All right. All right. And they uh they have a very their everything is 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 dwarfed proportionately. So even their their vocal cords are very small. So they have a voice, and I found that I could sort of mimic this voice. So we use that a lot as well. Um, which is a weird um like a bubble for us that they were talking. You've really got to look at it's this BBC series, and um they follow like four different kids, and um and one, I think one like one of them is an adult, but most of them are kids. So it was this British woman, and she would say, um, do you think you'd like to have children? And the little girl would say, um, yeah, maybe. How many children would you like to have? Three, maybe four. What kind of hobbies do you like to do? Um, Karate, soccer, um, karate. So we use that a lot. For Michael,
0: when, once he finds that voice he identifies the one voice he wants to try. How can he hone it? Where can he take it to try and, you know, polish it off? Exercises.
7: I mean, the best... I I read things out loud at home all the time, and the trick is always to get it done in one take. People will love you if you can be one-take guy. So... Just until you know just whatever random copy the back of boxes you know some random thing in a magazine, like I would just start reading that stuff out loud, particularly now because of all these pharmaceutical ads, and you're asked a lot uh audition wise to read that you know possible yeah. side effects include, and you have to make it sound sort of friendly um that like you know rectal bleeding is not a horrible thing, right. and you're smiling about the fact that you you know temporary blindness, and you have to make it sound like. <laughs> It's not really that big of a deal. Yeah. All right, this was there great, we Andrew. It. Well, thanks so much, and thanks for um, thanks for having me. All right, you know what? We
1: should call Michael and see how he how oh, he yeah. does. Good idea. Hello. Hey, is this Michael? Yes, this is. Are you ready to uh, read read us a pharmaceutical label?
3: Here, let me grab one right now. I actually have um, a
4: Benadryl.
1: Uh, okay, that's a good one.
4: When using this product, avoid alcoholic drinks. Mark's drowsiness may occur. Excitability may occur, especially in children.
1: That was really nice. Oh, thank you. Let me ask you this. Can you read that uh, like a 15-year-old boy on Pokemon?
5: Okay. When using this product, avoid
3: alcoholic drinks. Marked drowsiness may occur. Excitability may occur, especially in
1: children. Yeah, I think you got something there, Michael. <laughs> One of our favorite uh, how-to-do-everything regular experts is a uh, resident stuntman, Hal Needham.
0: Here he is helping Ian with one of his questions.
1: All right, a couple of weeks ago, I was taking a cab home from work, and it seemed fine, but then my cab driver started talking to me. Mm-hmm. He was telling me about how the Armageddon was right around the corner, and he was stockpiling food in his basement. And I, I, at first I tried to, you know, oh, that's neat. What kind of foods? That kind of thing. But then uh, as the ride went on, it became clear this guy was nuts.
0: He had nothing to lose, too, it sounds like. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I started thinking, he's getting angrier and angrier. I might have to jump out of this cab okay. at full speed.
5: Uh-huh. So? What, what's your question? What do you want me to well, what's uh, the answer? best? How <laughs> to jump out at 50 miles an hour? Yeah, what yeah, yeah. Do?
1: What, what's the best way to do it?
5: Well, the best thing to do, the, and again... It, I've had a lot of practice, but the best thing to do is to hit and roll. Don't lay out flat and go in there like a pancake. Like when I got shot off the horses, the hell, they'll run 30 miles an hour. I would dive at the ground head first, tuck my arm under across my chest, and do a tuck and roll. Hell, I could do a saddle fall on the pavement and not get hurt.
1: It, would you think of other options rather than jumping out of the car if you needed to get out of here? Did you have other ideas?
5: I, I'll tell you what. depends on how fast he's going. I might reach through that bar and try to get a hold of his head and pull it backwards. And I mean, don't give him a chance to go any faster. Reach up and get a hold of him through that little hole and pull his head back so he can't see. I think uh, he might even throw on the brick.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you jump out.
5: Yeah, then you leave.
0: Well, you got to make sure the door is like his wallet. First. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I I've had been in many cabs where they those doors are locked and the yeah. the things are missing. really oh yeah yeah you can't yeah. get out yeah
1: oh yeah. yeah and the that little nub that shows and that nub what do you call it, it it dips down below the yeah
5: well I got to tell you something if I was in a cab I I, I and they locked it on me I'd rave some kind of hell until he opened the door because what if he has a wreck and the damn thing catches on fire and he's unconscious you know I'm I'm yeah I didn't even think about him. that I ain't gonna let him. Uh, lock me in
1: no cab yeah most people don't have your experience being on fire yeah, well. <laughs> that's
5: true
0: this has been educational
5: so oh, good alright guys Take talk care. to you later bye bye
1: bye Hal Needham is author of the book Stuntman he also directed uh, the movie Cannonball Run
0: and Smokey and the Bandit well that does it for this week's show what would you learn Ian I you know
1: um, yeah we, we won't do this again we won't, we won't do this again until next time. You learned
0: that you don't want to do this again?
1: We won't do one of these shows where we play old segments again until next time we want to leave town. Yeah,
0: probably not until uh, next month.
1: All right, and I think now we have to turn the credits over to Andrew Reynolds. All right.
7: How to Do Everything is produced by Blythe Haga with technical direction this week from Lorna White and Showbiz Newhouse. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks.